0: Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way.
1: Well, folks, we are in our final week of the series, Dangerous Prayers. If you've been here every week, you know exactly what we're talking about. Those prayers that we pray, that when we pray them, we're a little bit nervous about what the answer is going to be. If you're here for the first time, here's the deal. We believe that when we pray, we are asking God to change something or someone or or a situation, a relationship, something about our life or the life of someone else that we need change. So we pray about that and God changes and that's fine. As long as we're praying about somebody else or someone else's needs or someone else's situation or health, God change them all day long. That's fine with me. The problem is when we begin asking God to pray to change something in our own lives, that makes us a little nervous unless it's on our pre-approved list of things that God's allowed to change or even worse, God's even allowed to know about. It's really dangerous. It's really scary when we begin praying prayers about things that we're not sure we want God to change. We're not even sure we want God to know about those things. That's what makes them dangerous. We prayed about, we've talked about search me, O oh God. You can imagine how scary that is. Break me, O oh God. I know you understand how scary that is. But this week, we're closing out with the prayer, bless me. Now, how in the world could bless me be dangerous or scary? We want a blessing. God, bring it, pour it on, heap it on. The more blessings, the better. I can't imagine anything more valuable than a blessing. The more blessings God has for me, the more I get. Bring it, Jesus. Jesus. But maybe there's something about that blessing prayer that has strings attached. Now, I know what you're thinking. There's no strings attached in Christianity. We all study that word agape, that special God love that you read over and over and over again in the New Testament. There's no strings attached to God's love. God loves us unconditionally. Every time we read that word God, how God loves us, it's that word agape. It means unconditional, no strings attached. There's nothing you can do or have to do to earn it. You can't even pay for it. He just loves us. In fact, the Bible says, while we were still his enemies, while we were still sinners, God gave. This this giving God even before we asked, even before we deserved it. That's God. How could there be strings attached? In the Old Testament, there's a number of stories, even into the New Testament. We've pulled one story out for for our study this morning, but there's a different story where God is speaking to Abraham. He says to him, listen, listen, as he's beginning his relationship with his own people, a people he's called out from all the nations. He said, you will be my people. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. You are blessed in order to bless others. That is what God's teaching us in this prayer. The blessing that you receive, the blessing that I received is not for us alone. We are not a reservoir, a a holding tank, a, a bank account for the blessings of God. We are rather a conduit, a river. It flows a portion of that, if not all of that, flows through us to others. Now, I I know what you're thinking. Saying, well, that sounds like a big responsibility. I don't know if I want to get into that. I mean, if God wants to give me something great, bring it, Jesus. I'm waiting. I'm ready. But if he's going to give it to me only with strings attached because he wants me to give it to someone else, maybe I don't want to get into that. Maybe that's too much responsibility. Maybe that's too much work. Maybe that's too many strings. Well, here's the deal. God has a plan. In fact, God has a mission, the Bible says, all through the Old into the New Testament. It's called the, the Missio Dei, the mission of God. All through the Old, all the way to the New, all the way to today, God is on a mission. That mission is to redeem a lost world back to himself. That is his mission. As a part of this mission, he sent his own son. God is ascending God. He sent his own son on this very mission. That son, while he was here, he then sent his church on that same mission. You and me, we are the church. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. And that's you, and that's what we're doing. We are a mission for God, and God is calling these people back to us. The problem is we get so tied up and so busy with the things of our life and the things of the world, we forget that we are on mission for God. And there's a reason why God has called us that way. There's even a reason why God blesses us those blessings. Yes, it is to bless you as it was for Abraham, but it is also so that you would be a blessing to your community. You would be a blessing to your family. You would be a blessing for your church family. God is passing that through you. Too often we get so busy with our lives where, as, as young people, we're, we're dying to get out of high school or, or, or college to, to get a job and, and to start a life. And then once we have that job, we're just dying to find a spouse, a husband or a wife to complete us and start creating a family. And when we have that family, we're just dying To get those kids 18 years old and off into college and and get our house and our peace and quiet back. When the kids are gone, we're dying for retirement so we can enjoy life again. And then we retire and we're just dying. Is that all we are here for? Or are we on a mission that is universal and God-sized? Yes is the answer. Yes, we are. And you were a part of that. And these blessings of God are a part of that mission. Yes, it's for you as it was for Abraham, but it is also for those that God has placed in your world. In fact, our mission statement, we are becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. We are belonging together. We are believing in Christ alone, but also we are blessed blessing our world. This is a huge piece of our very mission statement. That is why we exist as a church. So we are going to understand what it looks like to receive a blessing and how God would have us invest that blessing in our world. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Esther. When was the last time you read the book of Esther? We're going to study about Esther, the most beautiful woman on earth in her day. Then Chanel came along. So Esther, Esther is our story. If you have a Bible app, you can open up to the Bible app, hit the word events, choose our church, and all the notes come up. On the walls, you'll see these little QR codes. You can even aim your phone at that, and it will pull up the notes as well, or you just watch on the screen behind me. So we're going to read the book of Esther and discover in her life what it looked like for her to receive this blessing, but also to invest this blessing, okay? So let's look. We're looking at in a, in a Esther chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read a few of those verses And then jump right in. Esther chapter 3, verse 1 says it this way After these events, which events? I'll tell you in just one minute. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, who's Haman? I'll tell you in a minute. Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai, again, I'll tell you about him in a minute, would not kneel down or pay honor. Then the royal officials at the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore, They told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated because they told him he was a Jew, follower of God. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, the people of God, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, the people of God, throughout the entire kingdom of Xerxes. Okay, that's the story. Uh, let's start with that little that little line there after these events. Just real quickly, the kind of the backstory to the story we're reading today. What were the events? That's chapter one and two. Read it when you get home. Great, great homework is a great story. In fact, on Hulu there's even a movie about Esther in case you want to check it out later. Anyways, uh, chapter one and two introduces to Mordecai, the, the kind hearted. Technically he was a cousin. He was older, so when when poor Esther's parents passed away older cousin Mordecai and his family adopted Esther into his family, and he raised her like his own daughter. So he's kind of like an older cousin, uncle, kind of stepdad kind of a deal, but just a, a sweetheart of a guy, loved on Esther, and, and, and because of Mordecai's faith, he passed that on to Esther. And she became not only a, a godly, uh, humble young woman, but God just blessed her. He just poured blessings, not just, not just a pretty girl, not just a sweet-looking girl, but apparently the most beautiful girl in the entire kingdom. So God just heaps all these blessings on Mordecai for what he did for Esther and on Esther because God had a plan for Esther. And he knew that one day she would need exactly what she received at birth. So let's, let's talk about what it is. And then we read about Haman. Now, who's this Haman guy? Every great story in the Bible, probably every great story in life today has a Haman. He's, he's the spoiler, He's he's the one who would thwart the plans of the hero, in this case, Mordecai and Esther. He's the one who would be fighting against the people of God. In fact, not just fighting against them, it is his plan to wipe them off the face of this earth. Maybe you have a Haman in your life. No, he might, might, or she might not want to wipe you and your family off the face of this earth, but they might want to take away your joy, take away your peace or your job, take away your spouse, or your kids, someone who is seeking to thwart the plans of God in your life. This was Haman. That was his role. That was his job. And it's very interesting what God says about him. He says, Haman the Agagite. There's no throwaway lines in the Bible. Like, there's no fluff in the Bible. There's no words that just happen to be there by accident. God threw this word in there for a reason. What in the world does it mean to be an Agagite? It means he's from the city of Agag. (laughs) Agag. Why is that important? Because it's mentioned not once, but twice in the story. You know the deal. If it's once, it's important. If it's twice, it's really important. Pay attention. Who were they? Well, way back in the book of 1 Samuel, old King Saul. Remember Saul? He was the first king of Israel. So he wanted to do everything right. So God's giving Saul very, very, very specific rules of how to proceed, how to be king, what to do, who to attack, who not to attack, when to go, when to stop. I mean, very specific rules on how he was to be king. And he was trying his best to follow until he gets to the city of Agag. God had said, listen, these are bad people. They have one thing in mind. They want to destroy you and all of my people. They are vengeful. They are evil. They'll never change. We need to go ahead and wipe them out and everything they possess out. Just wipe them out. We'll start fresh. That was the command of God. Saul gets in there. He says, now, wait a minute. There's some good stuff. I mean what if we just what if we just wiped out some of the stuff and kept some of the stuff for ourselves we might be able to use this later and all these people I don't know if I can I don't know if I can kill all these people now don't get key, don't get don't don't get hooked up on all the stuff that we're talking about I know in our modern ears our modern brain our our modern heart we can't imagine wiping a people out it was another time another place god had his plan in that the point was Saul was disobedient. He did not follow God's commands. And because of that, the Agagites remained alive. And they continued to be not just a thorn in the flesh up to here. They're literally just days away from wiping all of God's people off the face of the earth. One of my favorite all-time war movies is the, the film uh, Saving Private Ryan. You Remember that with Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks was Captain Miller. And he wasn't an especially friendly, happy merciful guy. But for some reason, at the very beginning of the movie, they, they just made it through the, the landing at Normandy, and, and they were having one battle after another. They, they run across this German soldier who had, clearly, who had clearly been a really bad guy, killed a bunch of American soldiers, done all kinds of bad stuff. But at this point, he's run out of bullets. He can't do any more harm. He's harmless at this moment. And so for some reason, old Captain Miller has mercy on the guy. He takes away his gun, says, okay, skedaddle, uh, get out of here. And so he's thinking, we're thinking, everyone's thinking, we'll never see this guy again. Until the last battle scene of the movie. Storming of Normandy. Battle after battle after battle after battle. They reach the young Private Ryan. They find him safely. They're bringing him back. They're literally just one battle of way of making it back to the ship and sailing back home to be with their families. Happy end. And there's one German soldier picking off the troops of Captain Miller until one of his bullets hits Captain Miller in the chest, and he dies. And the whole audience is there saying, what, are you kidding me, after all of this, He he was almost home, and then you're telling me it could have been prevented had he just taken care of this one problem back at the beginning of the movie, at the beginning of the battle. He wouldn't be here taking out our hero, the one that we have fallen for, the one that we believe in, the one who was saving Prior Ryan. He made it through Normandy. He made it through battle after battle, and now he's gone. Folks, this is exactly what's happening in your life and my life when we don't take care of unforgiven, unrepented, unconfessed sin in our lives. It may, be something, it may be something all the way back to your childhood, your teenage years, maybe your early years for you and your spouse, your husband, your wife. Maybe something that, that you, you got into a habit of when the kids were little. Or or maybe after the kids were getting out of the house, you got into a habit and and it's still kind of festering there and you know that God is calling you to get rid of it. Here's the deal, whether whether we're talking about a Hollywood movie like uh, Saving Private Ryan or real life, Haman in the life of the Israelites, it is real. The enemy is after you. You have a target on your back. God has a plan for this world. He is seeking to redeem a lost world back to himself. He chooses to bless you so that you are positioned and resourced to be a part of that plan, of that mission. But the enemy is looking, if he can take you out, if he can stop you, if he can take away your influence, your, your potential, your, your ability to communicate the gospel because of something bad in your past, he will do it. And he was about just a few weeks away from doing it to the entire people of God. Secondly, God has a purpose. God also has his perfect timing. Look back at chapter 3. God's timing is so important. Chapter 3, verse 7. Let me read it for you. In the 12th year of King Xerxes, in the final month, the month of Nisan, the poor, what's that? That was the lot, or the the dice, was cast in the presence of Haman to select a day and a month, and the lot fell on the 12th month, the month of Adar. So on this day, when he casts the lot, it was the first month, he throws the dice and it falls on the 12th month, okay? Verse eight. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, there is a certain people dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different, and different is bad from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will even give you 10 thousand talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his finger, gave it to Haman son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. This is what he does. This is what he's asking for. This is exactly what happens. He is looking for an opportunity to take them out. When this happened, it was the first month He rolls the dice, comes up 12. He says, okay, on the 12th month, we'll do it. What's going on here? What's the poor? What's the dice? What's the casting of the lots? We don't have an actual picture of what it looks like, but I'm sure you can imagine what a couple dice looks like. It may have been three. It may have been four. It may have been two. Like our dice, I don't know what they look like, but picture dice in your hand. I know we're in a Baptist church. I'm telling you to picture dice, but whatever. So, so you got the dice. He, he's, he's got the dice, and he's, he's casting them. It comes up 12. He says, okay, great, that's it. In the 12th month, we're going to do this. It was already decided what they were going to do. That was already decided. Now they're deciding when they're going to do it, and it's all based on the throw of the dice. Does this sound strange to anybody? I mean, this guy Haman, he was pretty calculating up to this point. He knew everything the Jews had done wrong. He knew where they were. He knew how he was going to take them out. He had had a plan. How to go to the king? How much? He, even how much he was going to pay for the privilege of taking all the Jews out. I mean, he was pretty exacting. He was pretty calculated. He knew exactly what he was going to do, and he leaves it all up to fate with a cast of the die. Here's the deal. I don't think the enemy. I don't think the enemy thinks he's leaving anything up to fate. I think he thinks he is in control. Whether it's the plan. Whether it's the payment or whether it's the actual casting of the dice, I think the enemy thinks he's in control. Here's the deal: the enemy may have the dice in his hand, the enemy may even throw the dice, but God calls the shots. Did you see what happened here? Any numbers could have come up, but the number is 12, two sixes. God was creating a gap. God was creating a window of opportunity. God was creating a a, a time of of 12 months. It could have come up two. It could have come up four. It could have come up six. God said, no, it's going to come up 12 because my people need 12 months. This is your window of opportunity. I have blessed you. I have heaped it on you. I have given you every resource you need, and now I'm giving you a window of opportunity of 12 months. Go. Go. I wonder what window of opportunity God's given us. I remember back when Irma hit. I've heard the stories here because we had similar stories in Miami where I was serving at a church. A hurricane hit, and everyone here was affected. Your your yards were affected, your roofs were affected, your windows were affected, your jobs were affected, uh, your lack of air conditioning and fresh water was affected. All of you were affected, and yet you said this is a window of opportunity. The best thing we can do is to open the doors of the church. The best thing we can do is have folks come and set up kitchens on our lawn. The best thing we can do with our time, yeah, we have stuff to do. We have stuff to clean up. We have family that needs us. But the very best use of this window of opportunity is begin serving our community. This day, this day, it is almost a month doesn't go by, but that I speak with one of our neighbors who remembers how they were served by you in that window of opportunity. We talk about windows of opportunity on the mission field. When we went to, uh, to East Germany, the wall had just fallen between the East and the West, and there was great openness. There was great receptivity to the gospel in East Germany and in Russia and other places, the Eastern Bloc countries. And we said, you better get there fast. You better share the gospel fast. The window is going to close. And sure enough, now, after all those years, if you go there, East Germany is no different from West Germany. Russia is no different from England In fact, maybe even more closed than before. My kids, now that it's over, my kids used to serve in a very large country in Asia that was opened. Missionaries could go there and live there and, 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 and spend their entire careers ministering and serving and sharing the gospel there. It took one pandemic. Every missionary was out without any hope of going back. Every single one, the window of opportunity has closed. When God gives us a window of opportunity, it is on us to be a part of taking the the blessings that he's given us, whether that's financial or, or, or our gifting or our abilities or our experiences or just even our willingness. Those are blessings from God and begin investing them. When God shows us his hand at work, that is automatically for us, an invitation to drop everything else and to be a part of what God is doing. That is what God is calling us to This is that window of opportunity. These diapers that are here, not one box of diapers was bought out of excess. Every single one of you who bought a box of diapers bought this with money that could have paid your electric bill, your water bill, your food bill, your mortgage payment. Not one of you is so wealthy, you just had money sitting around said, either I'm going to throw it out the window or I'll go pick up a box of diapers. Every single dollar was needed by you and your family. And yet, and yet, God said, I will bless that family. And this month, I'm going to bless them with a little bit more, about $6 extra. So they can go get a box of diapers to bless a a young family that's never had a baby before. They've been waiting for years. And God bless them with that little baby. And it may be their forever baby. It may be for a time. But for the time they have, they're going to pour into that baby. And they're going to bless that baby. And you have a part of that. Because you took advantage of the window of opportunity that only God can give. And you bless them. Folks, here's the deal. God's timing is perfect. But we must, we must open our eyes to that timing. And then thirdly, thirdly, let's look at this. God also has a plan. Stick with me. is in chapter 4. It's a little bit more of the story. Chapter 4, let me first read uh, verses 1 through 3. Chapter 4 of Esther. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict or order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many of them laid in sackcloth and ashes. Now skip all the way down to verse 9. Hathak, he was the servant of, of Princess Esther, Queen Esther, excuse me. Hathach went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman to approach the king in the inner court without being summoned by the king has but one law, that they be put to death, unless the king extends a gold scepter to them and spares their life. But 30 days have passed, and I have not been called to the king. Verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer, and I repeat, do not think for a minute that because you were in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will be spared. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise, will stand up from somewhere else. But you and your family, father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews together who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for day or night. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go. Even though it's against the law. And if I perish... I perish. All right, what's going on here? God has a plan. Let's back up for just a second. Let's talk about this Esther girl. We haven't really focused on her much. One day, I think we need to do a whole study through the book of Esther. It is a tremendous story of faith and courage of this young girl and, and her cousin, uncle, stepfather, Mordecai. Morty, a fantastic biblical character. I can't wait to meet him. But anyways, let's just talk about her. She was definitely hashtag blessed. I mean, anything you could have wanted in a girl as a girl, for a girl, she was blessed with. Obviously, uh, fantastic beauty, uh, recognized in the entire country. If there were beauty pageants back then, she obviously won the beauty pageant of all beauty pageants, Miss Universe of the Day, whatever. So she was obviously gorgeous, blessed with that. Nothing she could do about that. God just heaped that on her. But she was also uh, uh, had, a, had a loving uncle. Yes, yes, she lost her own parents, but God brought Mordecai into her life. In fact, he, he doted on her. He, he poured into her. He trained her. He led her. In fact, the Bible says, we haven't read this, and if, you, if you go back and read the story, it says that he even went every single day after she moved out of the house into the king's palace, he would go by every single day just to check on her. A loving family cared for her. She was a smart girl. Mordecai told her, okay, when you get there, you need to do this, and she did that. And when you get there, you don't want to talk about that. And she didn't talk about that. And when you get there, I want you to notice that she knew her laws. She knew God's laws. She knew the people's laws. She knew the king. I mean, this was a smart girl. She was on top of things. She was aware and looking. And then she was a godly girl. The Bible says that, that she grew up in the wisdom and she grew up in the, in the instruction of Mordecai as he poured into her. And she knew what her people meant to God and what she meant to her people, the apple of God's eye. She had it all. She was a full, complete package And Mordecai was asking her to give all of that up. Every blessing that we just numbered there, and I'm sure there were more, she had laid all of those blessings on the line to do what God had created her to do. Are you there yet? If God blesses you, a purpose in that blessing is to bless you and and just heap his love on you without a doubt. When God blesses you, it's to bless you. He loves you. You're his child. But at the same time, when he blesses you, a part of that, a portion of that, and at times maybe even all of that is to pass through you to others, your community, your church, your kids, your spouse, your family, your world, whatever that is. In fact, that's what part of our vision. Bless your world. That blessing comes from you, not just your pockets. I'm talking about your energy, your creativity, uh, your skills, your gifting, whatever that means for you to bless others and bless your world. What would that look like? Well, There's there's five quick steps I want to go through. Number one, look at that that word there, remain silent verse 14. Haman, uh, Mordecai says to Esther, for if you remain silent at this time, that word in English is two words. Now in Hebrew, it's just one word. It means literally to, to remain silent, to be mute, to not speak, to not talk about these things. But at the same time, it also means to be deaf or better better, it means to turn a deaf ear to. So what is he saying? He's saying, God's blessed you. God's heaped all of this on you. He has a plan for you. But if you continue to turn a a deaf ear to his wishes, the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the leading of God in your life, he will stop asking and the blessings will stop coming. The blessings come to those who not only receive them, hear, move to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but then begin speaking to it and not remain silent. God is calling us to to not only hear from him, but respond to him. Second of all, God is calling us to stand up. The verse continues. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from someone or somewhere else. That word arise means literally to stand up. So what is God saying? God's saying, I have blessed you with a purpose. My purpose is, is to redeem. My mission is, is to redeem a lost world back to me. You are on that same mission. So I am blessing you now with time or talent or money or whatever that blessing is. I'm blessing you with that. Yes, because I love you, but because I have a purpose for that blessing in the life of Frankie and Joey and Tommy and Susie. I am doing that on purpose. If you don't respond, if you turn a deaf ear, Someone else will. And the Bible says they will stand up. Not, not God will call them to stand up. God will make them to stand up. God will force them to stand up. Here's the deal. You're looking at your situation, your, 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 your lot in life, your, your challenge, or, or, or God's calling on your life, and you're saying, uh-uh-uh, not me. That's way out of my comfort zone. That's way too big for me. Or you're saying, you know, I, I love that God. I'm all about that, Father Give me a couple more years. Let let me get the kids out of the house. Let me me, me go ahead and and retire. I'm almost there, Father. When I'm retired, we're going to have all the time in the world, Lord. And God's saying, if you will not respond, I will find one and who will stand up. They'll look at your same challenge, your same situation, your same task, and they'll say, here I am, Father. Pick me. Pick me. I'm ready. Dr. Rankin was the president of the... uh, the Foreign Mission Board, as it was called back in the day, now it's called the International Mission Board. It's the largest mission board in the entire world, and it's yours. Is the Southern Baptist International Mission Board. In 1945, they had 500 missionaries and a yearly budget of $1 million dollars. Well, Dr. Rankin was a president that year. He stood up in front of the crowd of of brothers and sisters and said, Brothers and sisters, I believe God is calling us to grow and reach the world. God has given me a vision for 1,000 missionaries and an annual budget of $2 million. What did the brothers say? Hold on there, Dr. Rankin, (laughs) not so fast. Hold on, that, that we may have bitten off more than we can chew. Who knows what's coming? You know, we just had the war thing. We might want to wait and see. He stood back up and said, brothers, I cannot stand by and watch as God finds one who is willing to go with him to the ends of the earth. I must join him. Today, there are over 4,000 missionaries, an annual budget of $354 million. We are over 123 countries. Your missionaries live in, are involved in, and are sharing the gospel in because people like Dr. Rankin in 1945 had a vision and we're not willing to hold on and watch as God tapped someone else on the shoulder. When God calls, he is calling you to stand. Thirdly, God is calling us to depend on him. Let's keep reading the story. For the Jew will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Fasting. We don't talk about that much. What is fasting? Oh, We're, we're giving up a meal or we're, we're, we're giving up food for a day. Maybe we're giving up coffee for a week giving up Netflix for a couple hours. Okay, a couple minutes tops, but I mean, then, then I mean, but those are really valuable minutes, you know? Uh, fasting means literally, whether it's food or, or, or coffee or, or candy or, or Netflix, whatever it is, it means giving up something that normally feeds you, Okay? Now, food obviously feeds your body, but, but Netflix feeds your ability to just relax. I can't fall asleep unless I watch a couple, couple shows. I can't, I can't relax unless I watch a little bit of news or a little bit of football. I can't relax without a couple candy, or I, I can't wake up in the morning without my cup of coffee. What, whatever it is that your body tells you you need, that you depend on, you can't get by without, whatever that thing is, when you fast, you're saying, okay, I am saying no to that thing, And I'm saying yes to Jesus. I would normally need this coffee or this food or this candy or this Netflix to meet a need in my body. Now I'm saying no to that. I'm saying yes, God, you will provide all that I need. I am depending on you for that need, food, energy, strength, uh, relaxation, whatever that is. That's what she's saying. She's saying, I am depending on you. I'm giving up my need for food for three days. What would you give up? And it may be food, and it may be coffee, and it may be candy, and it may be Netflix. I don't care what you give up. The point is you're saying, I am no longer depending on those things. God, when you've blessed me like this to understand what it means to reinvest that blessing in others, that is bigger than my mind can compute. Left to myself, I'm going to keep every penny. Left to myself, I'm going to keep every hour of my calendar for myself. I'm not going to share anything left to myself. But if I'm depending on you, Father, you are going to tell me where I'm to invest that money, that time, that talent, that experience, that gift, that patience. Where would he have you invest a portion of the blessing he's already given you? You only discover it when you depend on him. Next, there is a risk involved. Continue reading in verse 16. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast As you do. When this is done, she says, I will go. She knew full well what that meant. No one entered the inner court of the king without his permission. And if you did, he had every right to either hold out his scepter to you, saying, okay, I'll receive you, or stomp it on the ground, which meant for the guards to come grab you, drag you away, and kill you on the spot she knew that was the law and that was her fate. After all that had happened, after all that she considered, as she thought through the blessing that she had received and how God was calling her to now reinvest that blessing in the the salvation of her own people, she said, I will do it. Folks, I can't think back on a time in the Bible or even in my life when God called someone to safety and comfort. I mean, help me. After church, if an idea pops in your head or a story comes up, please tell me. I will correct myself next Sunday. I'll fix this error. But I'm having trouble coming up with a time in the Bible or even in my life when God calls someone to a life of safety and security. God's calling us to risk. It may cost you something. It may cost you some of your money. It may cost you some of your calendar. It may cost you some of your agenda. It may cost you a position in a business. It may cost you time somewhere else because God needs you here. Whatever that looks like for you, it is a risk involved. Folks, in fact, we keep talking about money. Really, between you and me, uh, even you folks online, (laughs) we're all a family here. I I don't even know that, that I, as your pastor, I even need your money as much as this. You know what I need right now in in this particular phase of our church's life? God has been so faithful, and you have been, as a church, so faithful financially. Everything looks wonderful and, and, and incredibly strong. My greatest need from you right now? Your contact list. You remember when I first got here, we, we adopted the vision of everyone bring one, and that was our goal. Every year, our church is so friendly, continues to be so friendly and open and welcoming. We said, if, if you just get them through the door, God, the Holy Spirit, and the other church members, they're just going to love on them and keep them. We need to go back to that. If you would share with me, if each one of you, every single family that's here, every single family that's online would do this one thing, between now and the end of the year, between now and Christmas, pray for, encourage, talk to, invite, and bring one new family. Can you imagine what God would do? That is what we need right now especially young families and kids, all that our, our team, Danielle and Michelle and Chanel, are preparing for the fall, this this new children's program on Wednesdays, even Sundays. is incredible. I can't, I can't believe all this stuff, this, this getting ready. All we need are, are all of our kids and even more kids to take advantage of this, this discipleship and opportunity to grow and family time and stuff we're offering for adults. Please be a part of that. And then finally, we need to understand what really Matters. Look at the very end. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And she says at the end, and if I perish, I perish. What is she saying? Is she saying, well, whatever comes, comes. Say, la vie. It's all just a crapshoot. I'm laying it all on the line. We'll see what happens. It's not up to me. It's up to, is this some kind of fatalism that she's into now? She's kind of given up on her own life, saying, okay, I'm just, a, I'm just a puppet in the hand of God. Or or has she decided that God's plans are so much more important, are so much greater, and what he has for her to do is so much more important than what she has plan for her life, that it is so important that it is more important than even living even another day. Here's the deal. Online family, church family, if your ultimate goal is to live as many days as possible on this earth, regardless of your quality of life or the impact of your life, then please stay home. That's the safest place for you. However, if your life's goal is not as many days as possible to live on this earth, regardless of the quality of your life or the impact of your life, then get out of your house and begin talking to God. God, what would you have me do with the blessings that you've clearly poured onto me and on my family? How can I invest those blessings in this community, in this church, in our world? How can I affect change and be a part of your mission to reconcile a lost world back to yourself? If that is your goal, then join me. And let's reach this world for Jesus Christ as people, even before Jesus came to this earth, Esther and Mordecai were ready to do. And if I perish, I perish. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for young ladies like Esther. What a, what a hero of the faith. God, in her young years, to be already so sold out for you. God, she didn't come willingly. But God bless Mordecai and the, the kind-hearted Godly influence he was in her life. God, he walked her patiently through this process. God, I wonder who you would use in our lives to walk us through a similar process, that we would understand that the blessings we receive from you are not only for us. Yes, Father, it is a sign of your love and your uh, devotion for your own children, but God, those gifts are for us to share a portion with our world, our time, Our gifts, our talents, even, Father, financially, God, allow us to be a part of your mission. Allow us right here in Cape Coral to have part in building your kingdom. God, I pray an entire wing of the kingdom of God comes from this little bitty church in Cape Coral, Florida. God, you can do that. We're trusting you to begin in our hearts today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus.
0: Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapechoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapechoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.